the Jessamine History Walks podcast, brought to you by the Jessamine County Public Library. I'm Carrie Green. In this episode, you'll take a walk through history with a self-guided audio tour of downtown Nicholasville. You'll visit 13 different sites of historical significance to Jessamine County. Michael Cunningham and I will be your tour guides, and Levi Simonton will provide directions between each stop. To view a Google map of this tour, visit our website at jesspublib.org forward slash Nicholasville hyphen history hyphen walk. Allow approximately one hour to complete the tour. For your safety, we recommend pausing the recording as you walk between stops. Many of the buildings on this tour are currently the sites of businesses or homes. Please be respectful and remain on the sidewalk. This tour only covers the exterior of the buildings. Stop number one the Jessamine County Courthouse. We will begin our tour in front of the Jessamine County Courthouse at 106 North Main Street. In 1798, Jessamine County became the 36th county in the state of Kentucky. Before that, it was part of Fayette County. Jessamine County's first courthouse sessions were held at the Fisher Rice Tavern, or according to Bennett H. Young, quote, in sheds or stables or in parlors of private homes, unquote. In 1823, Thompson Howard built the first courthouse at the present site. After more than 50 years of use, a committee decided that it couldn't be renovated and work began on the building you see today. It was completed in 1878 and designed by architect Thomas Boyd in the Second Empire style. At that time, the courthouse was a two-story building with a clock tower and cupola. The book Survey of Historic Sites in Kentucky, Jessamine County, points out that, quote, the importance of the second floor, housing the principal courtrooms and offices, is indicated on the exterior by the extra height of the paired, round-arched materials." Unquote. In 1964, two one-story additions were built. The most recent renovation, completed in 2020, improved water flow, insulation, and lighting, and repaired other structural problems. The exterior was painted, and the Lady Justice statues on top of the courthouse were restored. The Confederate Monument Now turn your attention to the Confederate Monument in front of the courthouse. Standing on an 11-foot-high base, this 7-foot-tall monument was erected in 1896, 31 years after the Civil War ended. The Jessamine Confederate Memorial Association dedicated the monument to the Confederates buried in Maple Grove Cemetery. Some of these graves were moved from their original location at Camp Nelson, which served as a Union recruitment and training center for African-American soldiers. 
Although this statue honors the Confederate soldiers buried in Maple Grove, there are also many Union soldiers buried in that cemetery, a fact that further reflects Kentucky's complicated history as a slaveholding state that never officially left the Union. The statue itself has a complicated history, originally made to represent a Union soldier. When the first buyer backed out, the Jessamine Confederate Memorial Association reportedly bought the statue at a discount price. They had the initials on the statue's belt buckle and knapsack changed from USA to read CSA, which stands for Confederate States of America. In the summer of 2020, a Jessamine County teen started a petition to have the statue removed, stating, quote, we as a nation should not honor those who tried to destroy us and who wished to oppress others, unquote. As of May 11, 2021, the petition had 557 supporters. An article that appeared in the Jessamine Journal on June 17, 2020, describes County Judge Executive David West's plans to make the statue, quote, more inclusive, unquote, by adding a plaque that would contextualize, quote, the struggle for Black freedom, unquote. The lynching of Thomas Brown. The courthouse lawn has been the scene of racial violence. Some listeners may find the following description disturbing. In his book, Racial Violence in Kentucky, 1865 to 1940, George C. Wright explains that white people committed racial violence against black people in a variety of ways, from destroying their property to forcing them out of their communities. White people denied black people the right to fair trials and even murdered them, quote, at the hands of lynch mobs, unquote. One such murder happened on the courthouse lawn on February 6, 1902. The previous day, a white teacher, Della Powell, accused 19-year-old Thomas Brown of assaulting her as she walked home. As police were transferring Brown to the jail, a mob of white men surrounded their carriage. Newspaper accounts of the time vary on the size of the crowd, with some national sources, such as the Los Angeles Herald, claiming 200 people were involved. The Jessamine Journal said about 75 people were involved. Whatever its size, the mob overtook police and dragged Brown to the courthouse lawn, hanging him from a tree. Brown never had the chance to defend himself against these charges. As the website A History of Racial Injustice notes, quote, the mere accusation of sexual impropriety regularly aroused violent mobs and ended in lynching. Allegations against Black people were rarely subject to scrutiny, unquote. The lynching of Tom Brown was by no means the only one in Jessamine County. George C. Wright records eight known lynchings in Jessamine County during the period from 1865 to 1940. Stop number two, Hemp Hill Pharmacy. The second stop on our tour was once known as Hemp Hill Pharmacy. Head south on North Main Street toward Maple Street until you reach 101 South Main Street. You may remember this building as Jay's Place. 
on South Main Street used to be the home to Hemphill Pharmacy. In 1901, Dan Hemphill opened the store and operated it until 1931 when he sold it to Pete Weber. He kept the Hemphill name and ran the business until 1945 when he was fatally shot at the pharmacy. According to the Nicholasville News, on Friday, November 2, 1945 at 9 p.m., George Grant entered the pharmacy intoxicated. He got into, into an argument with Mr. Weber over the serving of his soft drink. Mr. Grant left the store enraged and shortly returned with a 22 caliber rifle, opening fire on Mr. Weber and striking him in the chest. He succumbed to his injuries nine days later. Grant was apprehended and eventually sentenced to 14 years in a state reformatory. The Nicholasville News reported that Grant didn't remember shooting anyone since he was under the influence of alcohol and drugs, which he took because, quote, he was nervous as a result of having been aboard a destroyer, which was sunk in the South Pacific in 1942, unquote. The pharmacy was sold shortly after Mr. Weber's death to M.G. Raglan, who then sold it to Buddy Wagner and Joe McMurdy in 1949. They purchased an adjacent property, the former post office that doubled the size of the pharmacy and added a snack bar and seating. The pharmacy was also the victim of burglaries three separate times, with two being successful. In 1976, $1,000 of barbiturates were stolen. On a Sunday night in December of 1986, Hemphill Pharmacy was the victim of one of the biggest pharmacy burglaries in Nicholasville history, according to the Jessamine Journal. Hager discovered the break-in Monday morning when he arrived and found that the shelves were completely empty. The Jessamine Journal reported that over $2,000 worth of drugs, over $300 in cash, along with several checks, were stolen. The burglars, at least two in number, gained entry by smashing through a brick wall on the south side of the building using a crowbar or tire iron. Detective Corman told the paper that he felt it was perpetuated by locals who knew the layout of the store because of the strategic way it was burglarized. According to the website KY Kinfolk, Hemphill Pharmacy closed its doors for good in 1998. Stop number three, Nicholasville Baptist Church. Our next stop is Nicholasville Baptist Church. Continue on Main Street until you reach 131 South Main Street. On February 10, 1849, Nicholasville Baptist Church first organized and held its very first worship service with 17 people in attendance. Thomas J. Drain was named the first pastor. 1852, according to the book History of Jessamine County, Kentucky, the church was donated a plot of land here at 131 South Main Street, constructing a 40-foot by 60-foot sanctuary with wooden shutters using bricks fired on site. A balcony situated across the wall facing Main Street seated the 103 black members of the church till 1857, when they left the church to join the Nicholasville African Baptist Church, which is now known as the First Baptist Church. We'll talk more about the First Baptist Church later on in the tour. With the outbreak of the Civil War, the church was about to play a big part in the Union War effort in the area. In 1862, after the Battle of Paraville, Union troops commandeered the church for use as a hospital. It filled up quickly with wounded soldiers. When the hospital was no longer needed, Union troops still found a use for the church as a place to store feed and grain for the cavalry. During this time, the congregation relocated to the Methodist Church to continue its worship services. 
The federal government had promised reimbursement to the church for using the building during the war, but the claims the church sent to Washington, D.C. were never approved. Around the turn of the century, the church building went through a few changes. Stained glass windows replaced the wooden shutters, and iconic columns were added to the front portico. During World War II, the iron fence that surrounded the church grounds was donated to the war effort. During the late 50s and early 60s, the church membership rose. The front portico was enclosed to make more room in the sanctuary. New pews and pulpit furniture were purchased, and a parking lot was added. Today, this church building is the oldest active church building in Nicholasville. Stop number four, the old jail. Cross Main Street at the light on Chestnut, then cross Chestnut. Your destination is the old jail, a gray building at 200 South Main Street, just before the Marathon gas station. Located here at 200 South Main Street was the Jessam County Jail, known locally as the Old Jail. Completed in 1872, it is constructed of stone hauled from the Kentucky River. It is the third jail of its kind since the inception of Jessamine County and was used until 1989. The previous site of the jail was located at the corners of Maple and First Streets. The two-story brick building facing Main Street served as a living quarters for the jailer and was completed in 1873 and connected directly to the jail that sat behind it. George C. Wright's Racial Violence in Kentucky, 1865-1940, a lynching nearly took place at the jail shortly after its construction in 1874. Lewis Franklin, a black man, was arrested in Versailles and charged with a rape that occurred in the city of Nicholasville. By this time, the African-American community had been on edge, having already endured several lynchings in town, and they were afraid of another one happening at any time. As noted earlier on in the tour, with the lynching of Tom Brown, white mobs had forcibly removed black suspects from police custody several times. After Lewis was moved back to this jail, the local African-American community decided it was time to act. They armed themselves and stood guard over the jail until morning, when a mob of 50 white men arrived. It's not clear who shot first, but one member of the white mob was struck and killed, leading to the crowd dispersing. In 1929, when jailer W.T. Underwood passed away, his wife Daisy Hill became the first woman jailer of Jessamine County, performing the daily duties of the jailer that included cooking meals for prisoners, record-keeping, and even hailing, quote, a big jailbreak, unquote. In 1955, an unfortunate shooting at the jail occurred after a raucous night of drinking. Inmates William Gorman and Esker Myers, who were permitted to go out occasionally, drank, quote, eight pints of wine, unquote, on a Saturday night and tore apart their cell. According to the Jessamine Newsweek, quote, the light wires had been torn out, stove turned over, bunk ripped apart, coal and ass scattered over the cell, unquote. The jailer called two policemen for assistance. After a police officer confronted Gorman, he began attacking the officer and taking his blackjack from him. In the article, the officer stated that Gorman, quote, had knocked his hat off with it, unquote. The officer went on to say, quote, I turned around and threw my light on him. He was fixing to hit me again, and then I fired two shots, unquote, killing Mr. Gorman. The officer who was charged with his murder had the charges dismissed by the judge. Before the jail was located here, this was the site of Mingo Tavern. It served as an inn, the clerk's office, and post office. It was built in 1793 by Benjamin Netherland, 
who was the first to take out a tavern's license in the county, according to Bennett Young's A History of Jessamine County. Netherland was an imposing man who stood six feet two inches tall. A soldier during the American Revolution, he defended Charleston in 1776, saw action at the Battle of Guilford Courthouse, and fought heroically at the Battle of Blue Licks in 1782. Bennett Young wrote that he also took part in, quote, nearly all the Indian battles from 1781 to 1784, unquote, and, quote, went with George Rogers Clark in 1782 to punish the Indians for the wrongs of Blue Licks, unquote. After settling in Nicholasville with his wife, Theodosia Bramlett, he served as Nicholasville's first postmaster from 1801 to 1822. He was a prominent and influential figure in the early history of Nicholasville and Jessamine County. In front of the jail, you can find a grave marker from Benjamin Netherland and his wife Theodosia. Stop number five, First Baptist Church. From the old jail, turn right on Chestnut Street and walk until you get to the corner of Chestnut and South York Street. Our next location is the First Baptist Church at 200 South York Street. First Baptist Church was founded in 1846 as the Colored Baptist Church. According to current pastor Reverend Moses Radford, Reverend Peter Johnson served for 23 years as the first pastor. The church's first members worshipped at the African Church on South York Street, where several different African-American church congregations met. We'll talk more about this church later in our tour. The sanctuary building before you was completed in 1911 while Reverend W.M. Million was pastor. The congregation added on an annex in 1954 and renovated again in 2000. Over the years, the First Baptist Church, its pastors, and members have been active in the civil rights struggle. Reverend William Augustus Jones Sr., who was born in 1907 and died in 1968, left First Baptist in 1940 to lead the Pleasant Green Baptist Church in Lexington. While there, Jones became a civil rights leader in Lexington, advising the Lexington Chapter of Congress of Racial Equity, or CORE, a group that began at Pleasant Green. The notable Kentucky African Americans database says that his plan of voting as a block helped Harry N. Sykes become Lexington's first African American city councilman in 1963 and the mayor pro tem in 1967. Another former church member, Jesse E. Mason, is also featured in the notable Kentucky African Americans database for his professional accomplishments and service. The first African-American licensed used car dealer in the state of Kentucky, Mason was born in 1919 and died in 2002. He served in many different roles at First Baptist, including deacon, church clerk, church school superintendent, and choir member. Mason fought to integrate Jessamine County schools. In 1965, he helped lead the closing of the segregated Rosenwald Dunbar High School. In the 1990s, he led the campaign to name the new Jessamine Middle School after Rosenwald Dunbar High School. 
Current church member and Mason's widow, Ruby McCoy Mason, is also active in both the First Baptist Church and in the community. She was one of six people to receive the Center College 2020 MLK Leadership Award. Stop number six, the public well. Now head back to South Main Street by way of Chestnut Street. Turn right onto South Main Street and walk until you reach the corner of Main and Maple. A public well once supplied water at this corner. In 1846, John W. Charlotter drilled the well, not hitting water until he reached a depth of 180 feet. In a history of Jessamine County from its earliest settlement to 1898, Bennett H. Young writes, quote, it gushed up 10 feet high and from that time to this has furnished all who demand of it clear, cool, refreshing drink, unquote. Young said that the well supply remained strong even under periods of heavy use during the Civil War. Union soldiers led by General Burnside and Confederate soldiers led by General Bragg both camped nearby at different times, but they, quote, were unable to reduce the strength and power of its flow, unquote. Stop number seven, Hotel Nicholas. Head north on Main Street until you reach the bright teal building at 118-120 North Main Street. This building used to be home to the Hotel Nicholas. The colorful building here at 120 North Main Street is what remains of the once Grand Hotel Nicholas. The rest of the hotel would have stood in the adjacent parking lot. Completed in January of 1888 for $17,000, it was one of the better known hotels in the area and boasted some impressive amenities for the times. It had an elevator, a fine dining room, a bar, a billiards room, and numerous guest rooms. But even with all the amenities, patrons still had to use outside privies. In 1888, the Jessamine Journal reported that the hotel was the site of a grand feast between political rivals following the presidential election. Democrats and Republicans of the area decided to place a friendly wager that year. If Grover Cleveland won re-election, the Republicans would pay for a, quote, game and oyster supper, unquote, at the Hotel Nicholas. But if Benjamin Harrison won, the Democrats would pay. With Harrison prevailing, they gathered on a Saturday night with dinner, quote, commencing at 10, unquote. The lavish feast, according to the Jessamine Journal, contained, quote, venison, grouse, quail, oysters, celery, ice cream, confections, cake, etc., unquote, with wine and champagne also being served. In that same month, the Hotel Nicholas narrowly avoided a devastating plot of destruction. According to the Jessamine Journal, one night, a dynamite bomb placed inside of a beer keg exploded on a side street adjacent to the hotel, sending shrapnel flying through the streets. The building sustained some damage, with several windows blown out in the billiards and bar room. Another bomb was quickly discovered inside the bar room by the barkeeper. 
The Jessamine Journal reported that the bomb had detonated, it would cause considerable damage, and have likely killed and maimed people. The article went on to say that was the work of, quote, some boys or young men, unquote, who were, quote, out for the fun, unquote. The Hotel Nicholas was a staple of the community and continued operating for 24 years, closing its doors shortly after 1912. Stop number eight, Bethel Church. We'll continue our tour at the Bethel Church on North York Street. Head north on North Main Street toward Walnut Street. Turn right on Walnut Street and head toward North York Street. Your destination is at 181 North York Street. According to the History of Bethel Methodist Church by Frank Robert Cannon, Jr., Bethel Methodist Church was founded in 1838 when Joseph Higginbotten, Collins Day, Anthony Bryant, John Thomas, and Fanny Mason, acting as trustees for the African Church, purchased a livery stable and lot from George T. Chrisman for the price of $180. The lot and stable were located on East Street, which is now known as York Street, and all denominations, including Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, and Reformed Baptist, worshipped there. Cannon writes that before the purchase of this site, Black people, quote, were sometimes privileged to worship along with whites in white churches by seating themselves in the balconies or back areas of white churches, space permitting. Unquote. But they did not have a place to worship on their own. In 1842, George Christman's father, Hugh Christman, claimed that he owned the land. He demanded that the African church pay him an additional $180 for its purchase. As Cannon notes, the African church was, quote, not financially able to hire an attorney and take to court such a politically powerful man as Hugh Christman, unquote. So Collins Day, William Overstreet, Robin Dennis, Absalom Woolfolk, and John LeMay, who were all free people of color and could therefore own land and buildings, repurchased the property as trustees for the African church. In 1845, Reverend Samuel Miller organized the Methodists into the African Methodist Episcopal Church in the city of Nicholasville. As the congregation grew, they began to look for their own property, and in 1866, they purchased the lot at 108 North York Street, where the church still stands. The church's first sanctuary in the current location was a wood frame building constructed in 1868 and known as Bethel. Over the years, both the interior and exterior of the church have been remodeled and added onto. In 1910, an extensive renovation began. A new bell tower, foundation, and brick exterior, among other improvements, were completed in 1911. In 2008 through 2009, the church added a metal building, and the bell tower was rebuilt last year. The three windows on the north side of the sanctuary date to 1868. In 1989, the Bethel AME Church became an independent Methodist church. The church's current interim pastor is Reverend Joe Clay. 
Several former members of the Bethel Church had distinguished careers as educators in Jessamine County and beyond. You can learn more about Frank R. Cannon Sr., his wife, Orabel Cannon, and Emma Jean Gwen Miller in Episode 2 of the Jessamine History Walks podcast, the Locust Grove Cemetery Audio Tour. Stop number nine, Farmer's Bank. Our next stop is Farmer's Bank. On Walnut Street, walk toward North Main Street. Farmer's Bank is located at 200 North Main Street. On December 1st, 1934, the Farmer's Bank opened its doors here at 200 South Main Street, taking over the former home of the Farmer's Exchange Bank that closed earlier that year in October due to the hardships caused by the Great Depression. Just over 20 years later, the bank would be at the center of a chaotic and calamitous scene on Main Street. In the pre-dawn hours of January 17, 1955, a large explosion rocked the Farmer's Bank building and was heard throughout the town. According to an article in the Lexington Herald-Leader, a waitress heard a, quote, muffled thud, unquote, while another heard the blast but didn't feel its impact. It was also reported that coins rained down and littered the streets. Investigation that brought in the FBI found that the explosion severely crippled the building, pushing back the walls out two to four feet and causing some of the ceiling and roof to collapse, all in an attempt to gain access to the vault, which contained approximately $70,000. The Jessamine Journal reported that the would-be burglars had tunneled underneath the building approximately 60 feet from Town Branch, a creek that ran underneath Nicholasville and detonated nitroglycerin. They had drilled through a four-layer brick wall and a quarter-inch steel wall. All but $1,000 was recovered. The investigation unearthed no suspects or anyone connected to the blast. A Nicholasville police officer quipped to reporter, quote, We don't know who did it, but it was either an inside job or an outside job, unquote. While the bank was being rebuilt, it set up temporary offices at the S.J. Yerry Lumberyard, which was located at the present-day site of Central Bank on Main Street, because the lumberyard had a safe suited to the bank's needs. The bank conducted its business at First National Bank. Today, the bank has seen several additions added over the years, while purchasing several properties, including the next-door former site of the Martin's Department Store, which suffered some damage from the blast. The town branch was also rerouted from underneath the bank. According to the Herald-Leader, two hours after the blast at the bank, there was another blast reported at a Ford dealership in Perryville. Nitroglycerin was also thought to be used in that blast. A cash box was later recovered from the side of the road, but no connection was ever made to the farmer's bank explosion. Stop number 10, the E.R. Sparks Building. We'll now begin to loop back toward the courthouse. Cross North Main Street at the light on Walnut Street. Your destination is the E.R. Sparks Building, a gray building located at 114 North Main Street. It's the last building before you reach the courthouse.
gray building to the right of the courthouse belonged to E.R. Sparks, the owner of a hemp and bagging factory located at what is now the northwest corner of Oak and North Main. Built in 1881, some of the building's notable architectural features include the stone trim engraved with floral ornaments, a beveled corner, and paired attic windows. Building owner Edward Robert Sparks was born in Jessamine County on January 31, 1840, and died on May 2, 1914, at the age of 74. Before becoming involved in state and local politics, Sparks worked in the hemp industry for 40 years. According to Survey of Historic Sites in Kentucky, Jessamine County, Quote, much of the early growth and agricultural prosperity of Jesmond County was due to the success of a cash crop, hemp, unquote. The Jesmond County Hemp Historical Marker on the courthouse lawn describes the crop's importance. Kentucky's first recorded hemp crop was grown in nearby Danville in 1775. From 1840 to 1860, Kentucky was the largest hemp producer in this country, with most of that grown in the bluegrass region. During this time, Jessamine County consistently ranked as one of the top hemp-producing counties. Before the Civil War, the hemp-producing counties of the bluegrass were also the Kentucky counties with the highest population of enslaved people. In his book, A History of the Hemp Industry in Kentucky, James Hopkins argues, quote, Without hemp, slavery might not have flourished in Kentucky, since other agricultural products of the state were not conducive to the extensive use of bondsmen, unquote. Further, the practice of slavery fueled the market for hemp. In the period up to 1861, hemp growers and manufacturers sold most of their products, such as rope and bags, to southern cotton producers. Stop number 11, the Acme Book Club slash Withers Memorial Library. Continue past the courthouse on North Main Street and cross Maple Street. Turn right onto Maple. Our next stop is 106-108 West Maple, the former location of the Acme Book Club, which later became the Withers Library. According to the history of Jessamine County, Kentucky, since 1896, a library has always been in Jessamine County. The Atme Book Club first set up a location on Court Row with 600 donated books. In 1898, it moved to this location to a room on the second floor. In 1899, Sarah Rice Withers, whose portrait you can see in the tower entrance of the current location of the Jessamine County Public Library, bequeathed a sum of money to the trustees of the Nicholasville Presbyterian Church to establish a public library in Nicholasville rechristened the Withers Library, and then moved into a ground floor room here. In 1906, the library moved yet again as a new two-story brick building was constructed on the northwest corner of Main and Oak Streets. The new larger library was housed on the second floor, while tenants like the Nicholasville Post Office occupied the first. On July 22, 1907, the new building opened to the public and served the county at that site for 60 years.
stop number 12, Withers Memorial Library. Continue walking on Maple Street towards South 1st Street. At the corner of Maple and South 2nd Street, you'll see the Jessamine County Public Safety Center. This building once housed the Withers Memorial Library. In 1968, the library, in need of more space, and now known as the Withers Jessamine County Public Library, relocated to a newly constructed building on the corner of 2nd and Chestnut Street. If you look down to the end of the block on this side of the road, you will see the building, which now houses the Department of Public Advocacy. In addition to serving the residents of Jessamine County, this building also acted as the headquarters for the Bluegrass Regional District. They also served the communities of Fayette, Garrett, and Lincoln. After five years, the library looked to expand once again. Here on the corner of 2nd and Maple Street, construction was completed on the new building in February of 1975 and was dedicated as a Withers Memorial Public Library that May. In 1994, the Withers Memorial Public Library was yet again in need of more room for the growing communities of Jessamine County. A new facility was constructed at 600 South Main Street, the library's current location, and opened in September of 1996. In 2001, the library's trustees voted to change the name from Mother's Memorial Public Library to Chestnut County Public Library. The library has gone through two expansions since then, with the most recent one completed in January of 2016. Stop number 13, the Wagner House. For the final stop on our tour, keep walking on Maple Street toward 3rd Street. The Wagner House is located at 302 West Maple Street. In 1887, Dr. Lewis Wagner began construction on this three-story Romanesque revival mansion located at 302 West Maple Street. Completed in 1891, the history of Jessamine County, Kentucky reported the house was quite impressive. It was constructed of brick and stone with 14 rooms and a basement that contained an additional five rooms and two bathrooms. The foyer had Italian marble floors that led to an intricately carved nine-foot doorway. Cherry woodwork could be found throughout the house, including the spectacular hand-carved staircase and parlor mantel. The impressive and well-crafted stone entry porch is a notable feature that makes this house stand out in Jessamine County. Dr. Wagner, who also used the house for his office, only lived here for a few years before he succumbed to dysentery. After his funeral was held here, the Wagner family maintained the house until around 1960, when it was sold to Ms. Hattie Warner, a retired teacher, principal, and superintendent. Shortly later, it was sold again to Ms. Marguerite Simpson, who had it for 15 years. She eventually sold it to Howard Fain, a renowned local author and artist who shipped his art across the world and restored the house to accommodate his art gallery. The book Jessamine County Bicentennial, 1798-1998, describes Mr. Fain as being known for his artwork, especially his notable prints of largemouth and smallmouth bass, but his work also encompassed scenes of Jessamine County's past, including historical locales, churches, and schools. He also left an indelible mark in the county, like the Jessamine Jamboree logo, Jessamine County's 175th anniversary medallion, and the Jessamine County Chamber of Commerce logo. 
Howard Fain also published a book entitled Six Years Before Electricity that contains drawings and stories about his life growing up on a farm without electricity. In 1991, he sold the house. Thank you for listening to the Nicholasville History Walk, brought to you by the Jessamine County Public Library. For a complete list of our sources, visit our website at jesspublib.org slash nicholasville-history-walk. Our theme music is by Scott Whitten. You can find out more about Scott on his website, adoreforadesk.com.